This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network. If you want to find out more about the show, go to australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. If you would like to contact me for any reason, I would love to hear from you. So go to the website and click on the contact icon. If you would like to listen to the show, you can go to the website and click on the archives link at the top of the page. You can also subscribe to the Australian Hunting Podcast on iTunes, where you can download the show's episodes to your computer, iPhone, iPod, or iPad. Please leave a comment on iTunes and rate five stars if you enjoy the show and show your support. That would be greatly appreciated. If you are traveling and don't have access to iTunes, you can either visit the website or find our podcast on Stitcher.com and listen to us from anywhere around the world. If you want to join the discussions on Facebook and you want to share photos and videos and get involved in the conversation, you can find us under Australian Hunting Podcast. You can also join our Twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash ahpodcast. If you enjoy watching videos, then please subscribe to our channel at youtube.com forward slash Aussie Feral Control. Alternatively, all social media links can be found on the website. If you want to be part of the podcast, then please leave us a voicemail by clicking on the voicemail icon on the right-hand side of the website. This gives you an opportunity to be part of the show, and we will play your voicemail messages on the Straight Shooting Podcast. Any businesses wishing to advertise on AHP by running sponsorship advertisements, then please send me an email at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to donate to the show, you can click on the donate button on the website. I appreciate all my dedicated and loyal donating listeners, and this show would not have been the same without your support. Share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family and get as many people into hunting, shooting and fishing as you possibly can. That way they can enjoy what we already know and love. My name is Jason Selms and without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, Beck Bramer, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. As for our Everyday Hunter series, I appreciate you joining me. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, I just want you to start off uh, to tell us about yourself on a bit of a, a personal level. I mean, do you hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above, and who got you into it? Cool. So my name's Beck. I'm 24. I'm from Geelong, Victoria, which is kind of about an hour south of Melbourne. Um, I hunt, I shoot regularly, um, I like to fish but I probably don't get out as often as I should but I'm lucky that my dad does so I get to kind of reap the benefits of, of his fresh caught fish. Um, he was the one that got me into hunting originally, I come off a farming property so we pretty much had a, a gun in our hand as early as we could and uh, I kind of just followed in his footsteps. Right, um, brothers, sisters, they hunt, or is it a family tradition, This the hunting and shooting? or? Yeah, definitely. So I have a younger brother, um, and he was the same, shot from a really early age. Um, he competed a lot more than I did, so he went off and kind of did the clay circuit and things like that. Um, he regularly duck hunts with Dad. Um, so, yeah, we all kind of shoot and hunt, and it's kind of what we did as a bit of family bonding. Yeah, what's it? Explain to me, I know I obviously... It's a bit of, I think it's a male-dominated industry slash culture. You might say a little bit. A lot more women are coming through now. What's it like being, especially a woman, especially when you, what are people's reactions uh, when you tell them you sort of love to, you know, hunt and shoot? It's funny. I don't really get a lot of reactions in my personal life because I have done it forever. All of my kind of friends and family are, are pretty used to that. 
Um, but I work in an industry that's um, fairly kind of animal rights kind of related. So in my line of work, I, I do quite often come across a few people that are, are really kind of shocked and, and taken aback that I hunt and, and things like that. So in that line, I do get um, a lot of questions and I do spend a lot of time kind of educating people a little bit more in, in saying that it's it's not what you kind of see in the media. We're not just kind of going out and slaughtering things for the for the sake of it and um, just kind of explaining to people that it's kind of what I do. It's not um not any different to you like watching a footy game so <laughs> what about your girlfriends they the, 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 are they into this sort of thing are they not really or like i guess when you probably grew up you probably grew around maybe some other females that hunt and shoot not really or sadly not really it was kind of really male dominated and like all my kind of friends that i now shoot and hunt with are all male um, I remember as a kid, like my friends from school had come up and, and dad would have a, a shotgun over the, the front of the quad bike and, and things like that. And a few of my friends would kind of have a shot of a, like a kind of 22 if I was and things like that. But none of them were kind of into hunting and shooting. I was a little bit on my own there. So I went to kind of school in, in town and kind of had more towny friends and country friends, you could say. Speaking of that, did you grow up uh, in... Uh, a rural area or more in a, in a town? Where did you sort of grow up? It's not super rural. So we had about 300 acres just outside of Geelong. So yep. dad's still up there. So it was kind of that mix of, of city and country. So at home it was really country, but I kind of came into the local town to um, kind of go to school and things like that. Yep. When you were growing up, say, what was, you know, what did you generally get out to hunt with your dad? So we did a lot of pest control, so like your foxes and your rabbits and, and things like that. Um, Dad loved spotlighting, so quite often he'd uh, wake me up in the, the middle of the night and say, hey, come on, like, let's go out, and we'd jump on the quad bikes and, and head down the paddock to see if the foxes were out. Um, he's a, a really, really avid duck hunter as well, and much to his disgust, I'm not. But I, I do get out to the duck swamp every now and then and, and kind of shooting pigeons and, and things like that. So really what, whatever was going was what we were shooting. What about your dad? Is he proud that you have gotten into, um, you know, taking in dad's footsteps, so to speak, a little bit? Is he happy with that? I mean, even though, heaven forbid, I love my duck hunting too, so I'm with your dad a bit on this one. So. <laughs> um, yeah, super proud. So I recently um, started deer hunting with my partner, um, and uh, I was lucky enough to uh, take my first deer a few months ago and I sent him a photo. He was the first one I sent the photo to and he was proud as punch. Yeah. He, um, he has it on his iPad and he took it to work and, and shows the boys, <laughs> oh, look, she, she got a deer and, and things like that. And every time I'm kind of up there, if I've gone up for a bit of a shoot and, and things like that, he's really proud that we've kind of followed in his his footsteps and he always wants to know what we're doing and where we've been and and of course wants a little bit of a fresh venison on the side what about um your mum i guess is uh she into it with your dad as well or not really anything like no, that not or? really mum and mum and dad are separated um mum's up in queensland so i go up and visit her and that's probably where i get my kind of good fishing time in so i <laughs> fish with her and, and her husband out on the reef which is pretty cool um but yeah she's definitely not against it at all but um She's, yeah, not as into it as Dad is. Yeah. Um, I know we talked about what you were hunting with Dad, but let's talk about what animals, I guess, do you enjoy uh, hunting down there in Victoria? What's your main quarry these days? Yeah, I am obsessed with deer. Absolutely everything about them. So, like, as often as I can at the moment, I'm out hunting deer and, and learning about them and, and just kind of being out where they are. It's um, a crazy passion of mine at the moment. I never realised I could, like, get so excited about finding, like, poo. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. as soon as there is, like, any sign of deer, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it's a deer. And we're spending <laughs> hours walking around the bush, seeing them and just watching them. Like, I'm not even necessarily, like, taking a shot, but I'm just becoming more and more obsessed with, like, deer and where they are. Yep. What's it like? Uh, I've interviewed quite a number of uh, females before, a few, a few, and um, I've got different yeah. perspectives, um, especially what's it like being a female in, I guess, this industry, you know? I mean, there's not many of them. Do you find men to be accommodating? Uh, what do you, how do you generally find you know, mixing in with uh, the men? I think I, I, again, have the advantage that I had always kind of mixed in with guys that hunted, so like 
friends of my brothers and friends of my dad's would be around and I kind of just became kind of one of the boys. Um, as I've kind of got older and like you kind of mention it to guys, especially guys that hunt and things like that, you tend to have a little bit more cred because you, you kind of know what they're talking about yeah. and <laughs> it kind of does appeal to um, my generation that we're hunting as well. They tend to like that. Um, you was just a deer. Anything else you enjoyed hunting as well? What anything else that you or do you solely go out for deer now? Or anything else you still enjoy now, especially in the last couple of years? Yeah, I still love pest control, um, especially when it comes to your foxes and, and protecting stock and, and keeping the fox numbers down around cattle and sheep. Um, we have a property that we regularly hunt on because he doesn't hunt, um, and we try to get up there as, as often as possible and make sure his dairy cattle are protected from, from the wicked old fox that uh, doesn't mind who he's eating. And, of course, that's protecting our natural wildlife and, and things as well. I, um, I've recently started shooting with a bow, so um, I've kind of become a little bit kind of bow and rabbit crazy because they're uh, such a little elusive target with the bow. So I'm yeah. spending a lot of time yeah, at Dad's trying to out pop some rabbits with the bow, which is uh, proving to be a lot harder than I had originally thought it would be. Really? Um, yeah. Okay, I can imagine. I'm trying to hit a uh, rabbit with a bow. I mean, I guess the more practice you get, the better you get, as they always say. Definitely. Lots and lots of practice. That's right. Um, do you, when you're growing up with that or even now, do you participate in any non-hunting related shooting activities? You know, rifle target shooting, clay targets, pistols, anything like that? Yeah. So um, I'm a member of my local big game rifle club. Um, so they're a target club out in Little River um, that do kind of like your big caliber rifles and, and things like that. I'm um, actually competing in their national competition this weekend, um, so that's pretty exciting. I like to get out to the rifle club and, and have a bit of a target shoot as well. Nice work. Um, obviously, I presume you would own your own firearms. I'm guessing. I hopefully I'm right when I say that. So, what are your what What do you enjoy shooting? What's your go to calibers that suits uh, the game you're trying to take? Yeah. So my um, my most loved gun. I have a, a Howard two four three. Um, I love that one because it is dipped in Muddy Girl. So she's pink and pink and purple, and she's kind of my signature rifle. Right, nice. Um, so she's awesome for fallow deer and, and foxes and, and those kind of things. But um, if I'm out with, like, maybe hunting samba deer or I need a little bit more, uh, bit more bang, I've got a 300 WSM. Wow. Um, and then I've also <laughs> kind of done a lot more stuff with the bow. Um, and then out at the Big Game Rifle Club, I have a double rifle that's chambered in 500 Nitro Express. Oh, well, you're making me look look silly now. I don't even have any, <laughs> certainly some big calibers there, that's for sure. Yeah, big girls with guns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. If you If you had to pick one of your favourite... I guess let's talk about firearms first. Favorite firearms that you own, or favorite firearm, I should say, that you own. Which one would it be? The two four three. Yeah, oh, definitely the two four three. Yeah. All right. Um, if you, this is a very interesting one, I always ask this very similar question to people that I interview on the show. But if you could break it down, tell us what it means to be a hunter, shooter, and/or fisherman, Australia in this twenty-first century. It's funny, like with a question like that, I think I kind of take a, a little bit of a step back and, and go, it's not necessarily about the hunting as to why I like hunting, shooting and fishing. I, um, I tend to enjoy what I do because it's kind of getting me away from the rat race, you could say, and it's taking a step back from like your, your weekly life. So I spend all week kind of really plugged in. I've got email, there's Facebook, I'm getting phone calls and, and all that kind of stuff. And then at the, the end of the week, I throw the swag in the back of the car and we take the dog and we, we head out to the bush and no mobile phone reception and just kind of getting a little bit kind of back to nature. I think um, in this day and age, we don't spend nearly enough time actually talking to people. So if you've got a, a group of friends that you're out hunting with and you're, you're sitting around camp in front of the campfire, no one's looking down at their phones, everybody's kind of chatting about what we're going to do in the morning and you're, you're watching the fire, you're looking at the stars and, and I think that's kind of what it means a lot more to me than the actual hunting itself. Yeah, I notice that too, and sometimes I'm guilty of this, so I can't lie. Where you know you might be out, you've finished your you, you know your daily hunt, so to speak, and all of a sudden everyone's got that bloody screen with that you know light on their faces, and everyone's like oh, tuned into their phone. I mean, 
you know, when you get out there, we should be, you know, just enjoying the stars, enjoying the outdoors, but people just can't seem to get off the social media, can yeah, they? Yeah, like, don't don't get me wrong, like, I'm definitely guilty of it. Like, as soon as you kind of hear that phone go off because you're back into mobile phone reception, like, we're all diving on them and you're like, oh, what have I missed? And quite often I have kind of thought to myself, wow, have like, I haven't had this for three days because I haven't had phone reception. Why am I kind of so drawn to it now? Like, it's just, they're, they're kind of taking over. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you go, have you gotten into any uh, advanced stuff yet, like um, uh, reloading or anything like that, or are you just using factory ammunition? So I am lucky enough to have a partner who is an excellent reloader. Yep. Um, it always so he helps, re- doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. So he reloads all of my, my ammunition for me. Um, I'm lucky enough with my 243, I shoot with um, a custom projectile as well. We have a guy down here in Geelong that makes custom projectiles for me, so that's pretty cool. Um, I do quite often go out into the reloading room and and kind of have a look to see what he's doing and kind of ask a few questions, but it it is probably something that I do need to learn a little bit more about and maybe kind of start to uh, kind of get a press and do my own loads. Yeah, right. I was about to say, um, you know, he should put a ring on it, but maybe you should be putting a ring on him. I don't know. <laughs> oh, maybe. So he puts, he puts rings on my guns and my scopes, so that yeah. probably will do me for a while. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> what is it about hunting and shooting that keeps you coming back? And what is it you particularly yourself enjoy so much about it? I think one of the things that uh, kind of keeps me going back is probably the thrill of the chase, especially like with my deer hunting. Um, as I said, I, I got one the other week and she was just a, a doe, so it was some uh, great fresh meat for the for the freezer. But I've now definitely got the bug that I uh, I want some antlers for my wall. So um, I think every time I go out, it, it gets more and more intense, the, the kind of want and need to, to get something better and to, to keep keep trying, and that adrenaline kind of takes over, and, and I'm pretty sure that's what takes me back each week, and, and that's what gets me up the hill at the end of the day when I'm, my legs are burning and my feet are aching and it's wet and cold. Um, that kind of idea that the the dream kind of buck might be over the kind of over the next ridge or the freeze is a little bit empty and I want some free range venison and, and I think that's a, a has a lot to do with why I keep doing it. Yeah, what are you? A lot of people sometimes they you know hang up the the bows and the firearms throughout summer or winter. Do you hunt uh, year round? Do you have a preference for for a time of year to hunt or, or year round? Yeah, we tend to, to hunt deer kind of seasonally, so kind of when the rut's on and when the roads are open before it starts to get too wet. Um, we didn't hunt a lot over summer. It gets really hot down here in Victoria, um, so a lot of the time it, it's just too hot and dry and you've got risk of, of bushfire and, and things like that. Um, it's also one of those things that if we've got kind of time and, and we can get out, we try and get out as often as we can and we'll kind of find a spot that, that suits our hunting all year round but um, sometimes you've got to kind of put it into perspective and make sure that we're safe and and things like that as well and kind of keeping everybody happy yeah what do you think your plans are I mean for the future I mean especially surrounding hunting is you know keep going as you are try new things hunt different game what do you what how, how do you want to progress say over the next 10 to 15 years well, now I've got my bow, I kind of definitely have set myself some, some new targets that I want to start getting some game with my bow. Um, we have a, uh, a goat hunt planned for this year, so I'm going to take my bow out over to South Australia and, and hunt in the Flinders Ranges and, and hopefully get myself a nice, uh, a nice billy over there and, and bring some meat home. Um, the other half and I are also talking quite heavily at the moment about Africa and going over and, and doing some big game hunting over there. Um, but my dream hunt, funnily enough, is actually the whitetail. So I love the whitetail deer. I think they're gorgeous, um, and I want to <laughs> kind of head over to kind of Wyoming and, and maybe uh, get myself a whitetail for the wall. Yeah, good stuff. What is it about being out in the bush that you enjoy? I know sometimes I go out and there's certain aspects of, you know, our senses. What do, what do you enjoy about being out in the bush, especially when we, you know, we give up all the social media, the phones, the Facebooks, the Twitters? What do you like about being out in the bush in particular? I think I especially love the quiet and I think it comes back to that whole kind of, yes, yeah, switching off and there not being that, that road noise and that kind of constant background noise, almost like white noise you could call it. 
it's really quiet down in the bush and you can kind of just have a bit of a walk around and while you're stalking, you're, you're thinking and, and sitting and, and watching and just enjoying kind of nature. We're pretty lucky down here. The Otways is just like a completely different ecosystem like compared to a lot of places in Australia. I reckon that we've got kind of bugs and birds and all kinds of stuff that haven't even like got a name. So every time I go down there, I see something different and I find myself watching the birds and the bugs and, and the spiders and things like that when I actually should probably be watching to see if there's a deer coming. Um, but it's just always changing. And, and even though we're going to the same spots, like there's always something else to see and, and something to explore. Yep. I know when you were saying, talk about your girlfriends before not hunting, I mean, is it hard to, and does it bother you? Uh, like, is there any other women, is it hard to meet women in the hunting industry, do you think? I think Facebook has kind of opened up a little bit more kind of female hunters to me in probably the past couple of years. Um, so you kind of see fellow kind of huntresses, as we call ourselves, kind of posting <laughs> right. things on things on Facebook and you'll kind of shoot them over an inbox or you'll, you'll add them on, on Facebook. And it's nice to kind of have that little bit of contact with a, another female hunter and, and things like that. But um, I think a lot of us tend to, to keep a little bit to ourselves. Um, I'm not quite sure why, but I, I have found that, yeah, we do keep to ourselves a little bit. Yeah, right. Okay. Sounds interesting. I'll, I'll, very well said. Um, we're just going to go to a quick break and we'll be right back for our Everyday Hunter series with Beck Bremer. For everything Bushnell, go to Red Fox Outdoor Supplies online store. For a full range of Bushnell rifle scopes, rangefinders, binoculars, night vision, spotting scopes and Hoppies gun cleaning products. Red Fox are also major online retailers for the popular Aussie Maxbox brand and the rest of the innovative products distributed by Eagle Eye Hunting Gear. All at Red Fox Outdoor Supplies. So go to the website redfoxoutdoorsupplies.com.au or phone Greg on 0412 495 712. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 024653 1440 or visit So, Beck, I know we're just talking before you. I did, you did mention uh, going out for goats and um, going out for meat, but do you hunt for meat culture? I know you mentioned feral animal control as well. Why do you hunt in particular? Um, I think it's probably a, a combination of, of all of it. Like, um, I wouldn't call it culture, but it, it will come back to my kind of family roots that I, I do hunt because that's what my family did and, and that kind of brings it kind of back home for me. Um, meat is a big one. Um, I absolutely love venison and, and that's our kind of main source of, of red meat at home. Um, and there's something really self-rewarding about being able to kind of bring home an animal and, and consume the meat that you've kind of hunted and, and gathered and then prepared yourself. Um, and then of course, yeah, as you said, feral animal control is really important to me coming off a, a farm that, that had sheep and I've seen what they what they can do to a sheep or, or your chickens in your kind of home paddocks and things like that. So that's really important as well. Yeah, what is some of your go? Let's talk about some of the, you said you like eating uh, venison. What are some of the go-to meals? Do you like cooking it yourself? And if so, what are some uh, uh, staples at the, uh, so the Brahma household when you're having meat? What do you enjoy? My number one kind of reward after a hunt is actually venison backstrap schnitzels. Yeah. So All right, when give we us a little come, bit of a recipe. Yep. We want we want to, we want we want sp- details here for any hunters that are listening that love they want a nice good recipe. Have you got one? 
Yeah, it's actually really, really simple. So we've kind of taken the backstrap off our deer in the bush um, after we've kind of hiked out. Um, we have done it out in the field, but it's kind of better if you can bring it all home. You've got everything packed up and cleaned. You're exhausted. You just get your backstrap out. You cut it into tiny little schnitzels. Like backstraps aren't big on a fallow. Um, dip them in your flour, egg, breadcrumbs, bread and you cook them really quickly. Um, you know your meat is kind of super, super fresh and tender. If you don't need a knife, you can kind of just slice it through with a fork. And we tend to have it with um, broccoli, mashed potato, bit of gravy on the top. And I always like if there's some left over for the next day and I can just pack them in the lunchbox for work and eat them cold. Nice. What about goat? I mean, goat curries. What's the, in regards to goat, what do you generally use those for? I've actually never hunted goat before. Um, but a boyfriend from some time ago used to, and we used to uh, bring them home and put them in the slow cooker and kind of make like a casserole. Um, mm. That used to uh, go down a treat. All right. You know, if your dad listens to this, he's going to ask me, why don't, what, why don't you like duck hunting? I think it's fantastic. He's probably yeah. going to want to know, what is it? Dad's <laughs> going to listen to it and he wants to know what's wrong with duck hunting. Oh, I don't know. I, it, it might have just kind of stemmed from being maybe that little bit rebellious as a child. But um, I don't know. I think I, this is going to sound really silly, but I just thought ducks are really cute. Um, and <laughs> it's really it's, it's really contradictive now because, of course, I think deer are adorable and I love them. But, of course, I, I hunt them. Um, it's probably just stemmed through from, yeah, my younger years. Um, and I also kind of, and this is, you are going to shoot me down. I also don't think it's very sporting. Oh, it's really? It's much just, you are just throwing lead in the sky at a group of birds. It's not that hard. <laughs> I don't know. I've missed birds right in front of my face. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. <laughs> With yeah. me and my and two think, friends, um, you know. I think it might also be that it just, to me, it sounds like a kind of miserable sport. I don't really want to have to, like, trek through a duck swamp, but that yeah. might just be me. It can be kind of tough, especially. <laughs> it's cold. See, for me, I'm in New South Wales, so generally I only get to um, hunt the rice fields of New South Wales, which sometimes we normally just sit on the sides of thing. Well, it does get pretty difficult at night when you, you know, it just goes dark and you're trying to you know, trek through you know, a rice paddy and your feet are getting stuck and it's just an absolute... It can be a nightmare, absolutely, I think. Yeah, well, I, I always used to see Dad kind of come home who's like wet up to the chest and, and freezing cold and muddy and he's had to use his little duck punt to, to paddle through the reeds to uh, get out to the right spot. So uh, it might just be a little bit of that too. Exactly. Tell us about um, you know hunting in general. Some again, some people say it's a sport. You some people you just mentioned like a sport, a culture, means of getting food. Or how, how would you just describe hunting in general? Well, I think with me, it kind of yeah, it just comes down to a way of life. Um, I I've never known anything different. Um, and I always try to when people aren't a hunter, I try to kind of compare it back to something that they do. So, like, in my family, we didn't kind of go to the local footy games and things like that. Like, we hunted. Um, and so that's kind of how I see it. It's just part of my life. So it's kind of really hard to kind of look at it the other way from somebody and kind of be like, what do you mean you don't hunt? Like, that's just that's just what we do. True. I know some people, like, especially there's a few Facebook pages, especially surrounding duck hunting, even deer, doesn't matter really what it is. Some people say, you know, like, and there's a big one at the moment, I'm not sure if you've heard of Ricky Gervais or whatever his name is, especially surrounding trophy hunting. It really doesn't matter what type of hunting. They say it's very barbaric to, to hunt and to kill things. Like, what do you have to say to people that say stuff like that? Unfortunately, I don't think that Facebook is, is doing us any favours as hunters. Um, I think kind of if you look back 10 years ago, the same things were happening, but they weren't necessarily put out into the public eye. Um, and like I'm on all the, the kind of hunting Australia pages and, and things like that. And, and as a hunter, like I like nothing more than kind of seeing a guy who's got himself a nice big buck or a girl out there that's kind of bagged herself a, a whole heap of foxes. But I think we have to keep in mind that not everybody's used to seeing these things. So sometimes I think we have to be really careful what we share and like don't think by any means I'm saying that we should hide and, and not share things. I just think we have to remember that if we are going to put things out into the public eye, we have to make sure that they're respectful for everybody. So making sure that things aren't kind of 
super blood covered or, or things aren't kind of illegally taken and, and then made it onto Facebook and, and remember that everybody's going to see these. Um, but I think it's, Facebook's also a really good tool for, for educating people. So yes, people are, are sharing things that about like Ricky Gervais and things like that. He's sharing things. But it does give us then the opportunity to kind of come back in and say to people, especially in our own friends list, like, oh, don't, don't just kind of see what the, the media is saying. Like, come on, don't let, the, uh, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. So making sure that we're actually explaining to people that just because the media is, is saying that this is barbaric, um, actually explaining to them that, yeah, okay, so she shot, she shot a giraffe, for, for instance, but that giraffe was, yeah, old. He was outside of um, like a pack um, and his body wasn't just kind of laid on the ground so she could take photos. He was then used for, for meat and skin and his bones were used and he like fed a, an African community. So I think if uh, that's what reached social media, we'd be a lot better off. What about obviously you'd be aware of the whole Glenn McGrath saga where he apologised for being a hunter. Now I know a lot of people, because he went hunting in Africa, now he's been a long time, I think, Sporting Shooters Association uh, member. Um, was quoted in a lot of magazines as saying he really wanted to hunt in Africa. Now, I think five years later, the, the photos came out of him hunting and he, he said he was like he was going through a difficult time when his wife passed away. But he's been a long-time hunter. He, a, a lot of hunters that I know, some were very supportive and, and gave money to the foundation like, like I did. And then there's other people that were, were very unhappy with Glenn, you know, basically selling out hunters and throwing them under the bus um, by apologising when he was known for many years that he wanted to hunt in Africa. So what's your, what's your thoughts on the whole debacle? Yeah, I'm, I'm very much with you there. I thought it was, was really bad that he did then kind of come back and, and try to kind of almost get himself out of, out of trouble for something that was done completely legally. Um, I don't think he did the hunting world, world any favours and, and I had quite a lot of respect for, for Glenn McGrath. Like, yes, he, he'd gone through a lot and lots of things had happened, but you don't need to then kind of turn around and try and make everybody happy by saying that you regret something that you had done kind of legally and I think he should have stood by what he, he thought was right and if he regretted it, that's perfectly okay but I personally think that he didn't and he was just told to say that and I don't think that's right. Yes, a little bit disappointing, I must say. Um, how, how would you explain to someone, someone's coming up to you, they've found out you're a hunter. I mean, surprisingly, a lot of people, obviously, a lot of people have never hunted, never shot a firearm. And to be honest, a lot of people haven't even fished before, so it's quite interesting. How would you explain it to them so they could understand why you love this lifestyle so much if you're explaining it to somebody? I think um, I'd probably try and uh, get them out and about it. I don't think it's a it's an easy kind of lifestyle to just kind of explain to somebody. Like if you said to someone, "Oh, I, I walk for a uh, kind of 20 k's a weekend through uh, through horrible wet conditions, and and then I I shoot an animal and then I have to carry it all the way back." I, I don't think that that kind of sounds really appealing. Um, I would like to think that a lot of kind of hunters should be able to get our friends out and about and actually show them what we do. And I think once they kind of get a firearm in their hand and, and maybe have a little bit of that adrenaline rush of, of seeing these game out and about and, and things like that, they, they might see a little bit different. But um, as I said before, I, I just tend to try to explain to people that it's not necessarily what you think. So when people kind of think of a hunter, they think of somebody that's just mindlessly killing an animal and, and kind of leaving it there. So if we can kind of explain to them that that meat that you're eating at my house right now was was an animal and he was taken and, and things like that, he wasn't taken in vain. He was in no way kind of in pain. He didn't suffer. He was kind of taken respectfully. It's, it's no different to the meat that you're eating that comes from the supermarket. I find that interesting. I know a lot of people that uh, eat meat, one of my good friends and his wife, and just today actually, just surprised, I was just on Facebook talking about that, and she uh, shared one of uh, Ricky Gervais' photos on saying this guy was a complete dickhead, that was the word he used, um, and she actually shared that, and I thought every day um, I was at his house actually on Monday night and said, well, you we're eating chicken now. 
what's the big issue? Um, so I guess how do pe- why are people so hypocritical uh, when they're happy to consume meat but yet don't like to see, say, an animal uh, either posted on Facebook or somebody uh, posing behind an animal? I mean, is there a bit of a disconnect between uh, the lives of people that, say, live in the city and consume meat and the people that actually go hunting? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I really don't think that kind of people actually think about where their meat comes from. And I think it's really sad, especially with like kids these days, that you could ask them, oh, where does an egg come from? And most of them would say the supermarket. Um, and I think that people don't kind of put two and two together. And I always try and explain it to people in the fact that, okay, so you have a cow who is bred purely just for meat. That cow was fed up. That cow is then put on a truck and transported somewhere. That, cat, that, that cow then kind of spent time in a pen. He then had to walk to his death, watch his kind of fellow cows be kind of murdered, as they would put it into, a, into our terminology, um, and then he gets packaged up and put on your plate. Yeah. And so I personally think that what a hunter does is a lot is a lot more kind of respectful to an animal. So our deer didn't wake up this morning knowing that, that they were going to die. A lot of the time they are kind of just taken doing their, their everyday normal things. They're, they're eating, they're walking down a game trail, and then all of a sudden they're dead. So I think I um, personally would prefer a, prefer an animal who had just kind of been doing his own thing than had uh, spent 48 hours in a holding pen. Do you think hunters do a lot more than, say, anti-hunters in regards to conservation? Oh, by all means. Um, You just have to look at kind of your your Africa kind of topic there and, and like, you brought up Glenn McGrath and we've talked about Ricky Gervais and I think that people don't realise that the amount of money that kind of hunters inject into somewhere like the African community and, and feeding African communities with meat is incredible. Um, and that happens even down here in Victoria. So I was recently reading the um, DEPI report. Um, so they've released their 2013 report, which kind of says that in um, 2013 that there's kind of the injection of funds from hunters and game and pest control was approximately $417 million into our economy, um, purely just from pest and kind of hunting so pretty big numbers exactly i think it even brought in more than the uh, grand prix down in melbourne go figure it did and the spring carnival a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people bring that up that it is more than the the spring carnival and we have to remember that it's not just the money it's the jobs that are created as well so they they estimate that 2,000 jobs were created just in victoria alone because of people hunting pests True. If you, I'm sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if you have children, but if you do, or when and if you do in the future, was that something you would consider getting him into this lifestyle and teaching them as well? Yeah, definitely. I um, I have two stepkids, so my partner has a three-year-old and eight-year-old. Yep. Um, they both love the whole hunting, shooting side of things. Um, Alex will take um, the eight-year-old out with him every now and then when he hunts and, and he loves being able to then kind of walk up to where the deer is and, and have a look at him and, and they're learning about kind of the anatomy of the deer and, and all that kind of stuff as well. We um, we sat down for dinner the other night and, and he asked, oh, what is this? I said, oh, it's, it's venison stew. He's like, oh, that's deer. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's deer. He goes, did you shoot it or did Dad? <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, oh, I did. He's like oh, that's cool, and tucks into it. So um, <laughs> definitely, definitely get the kids into it. Maybe he wants you to cook now instead instead of his dad, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Tell me some of the um, positives and benefits of hunting and shooting, do you think, um, especially either hunting on uh, uh, private land for, for landowners or, or public land in general? Yeah, so we've kind of already touched on the kind of economic benefits of, of hunting but um, I think on, on priv- private land very much so it's about that pest control. Um, so my beloved deer even though I, I think he is great he is um, considered as a pest um, especially if they're on fringe country and they're kind of jumping the fences onto people's farms um, overnight to feed you wouldn't think it but a, a deer can eat a, a whole heap of food and if you've got a crop out there that he's munching away on our farmers are losing money or 
if your your kind of green pastures being stripped down and the the cattle are running out of food, it's it's not great for your farmers. So by kind of culling out some of those deer and kind of making it a little bit easier on the farmers, we're we're helping them out as well as like your foxes and and things like that. Of course, that we've we've already touched on. Yeah, I noticed on Facebook a lot. I wanted to get your idea on this. It's not a question I've actually asked before, so you're going to be the first one, Beck. A lot of people on Facebook, when they see uh, animals being taken, they, they a lot of people put animals on the same wave, the same wavelength uh, as human beings. Now, people, when you saw when Glenn McGrath uh, was caught up in that hunting debacle, that um, people were saying, you know, why don't you turn the gun on yourself? I'd rather you were you were dead and say that whatever he shot, elephant or leopard, whatever he shot at the particular time. Uh, do you think animals are on the same wavelength as as human beings? Uh, personally, I think it kind of comes back to that whole circle of life. So we are all a, a living creature, but everything on this earth has a predator. Everything on this earth has something else that could eat it. Um, I personally think that the whole kind of like, oh, hunters should shoot themselves and things like that kind of tells me that the Andes are running out of ammunition. They're, they're running out of kind of things to, to say why we're doing the wrong thing. They can't kind of say, oh, we're, we're raising more money or, oh, we're doing better things for the animals. So they have nothing against us. So they then have to just turn, turn it personal and, and make it nasty because they just don't have anything else to kind of go off. True. I think you're right. Let's talk about, we'll get into the bit of a, the political arena now. People that have listened to my show know I like a little bit of politics, but I do hate it at the same time because yeah. it annoys me so much. What's your thoughts on um, firearms ownership in Australia at the moment? Oh, this is probably one where I have a completely different view to what most kind of pro-gun people will. Oh, no. Here um, we go. Yeah. <laughs> I me. actually... I actually think that gun ownership or, or being able to own a gun, especially in Victoria, is too easy. Really? Explain. I'd yeah. like to find out this. Tell me. Tell me more. Yeah. So uh, it's a little bit weird, but um, in Victoria, to get your firearms license, all you need to do is uh, go down and uh, attend a, a firearms safety course. Um, yep. This is all theory. Um, once you're finished reading the theory, you are filling the test kind of sheet. So as long as you've got enough kind of brains behind you that you can uh, memorise something out of a book and then put that into a multiple choice questionnaire, you're uh, awarded with your gun licence and uh, you do your paperwork, you come into your local gun shop and uh, 28 days you can receive your first gun. Mm -hmm. Now um, I've kind of mentioned to you before that um, my other half owns a a firearms and ammunition store. So I'm kind of privy to a few things that other people might not necessarily see. So um, your uh, little guy, he comes in, he's uh, waited his 28 days and we've put his first uh, 22 down on the counter in front of him and he's so excited and he kind of looks at you and he goes, so how do I load it? <laughs> yeah. And that personally terrifies me. So we can have a guy who, for some reason, whether it be his friend's shoot or he just wants to kind of get into this sport can leave my store right now with a gun that he has no idea how to safely kind of operate. He doesn't know how to load it. He doesn't know how to take it apart. All he's done is, is started a kind of information session and kind of read out of a booklet. What would you so do differently? What would you, what, what would you implement that would be different from the current system? I really think that, um, and I think some of the other states do it. I, I might be incorrect, but I really think that we than, need... Yep, go on, sorry. Sorry, no, no I, um, I really think that we need um, we need some kind of practical kind of kind of safety courses and, and things like that. So in, instead of just having these guys read or these girls, of course, reading things like, oh, don't point a gun in the direction of people or, or this is how you store it correctly. I think we should have them down at one of our local ranges and actually show them how to load and unload and, and correctly fire and, and handle a firearm. I think that's a lot more important than um than just being able to kind of read out of a book. Yeah. So, I think it's pretty I was, similar oh, in New sorry. South Wales as well. It's very similar. I think we just do the the course with the with whichever shooting organisation. I think some maybe have a firearm there, but I don't think there's definitely no shooting. It's more that's an extra 
an extra bit of training I think you can do if you pay for it. I think it's when I did mine, the, the Sporting Shooters Association up here, you could do like a test and you could, you know, shoot a bunch of different firearms or whatever it may have been to get, you know, just an idea of you know, how they kick and that. But ours is generally the same up here too. You just do the, the uh, safety course and off you go and put your paperwork in pretty much. Yeah, definitely. And like... Again, I get to kind of see things and, and read things that other people might not necessarily get to read. And I was reading the um, the licensing department newsletter um, not that long ago. And in Victoria alone, there was 2 million permit to acquires put in last year. That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot of guns, um, and it, it kind of makes you kind of makes you think. And, and I see people come into the store, and they've kind of got their first gun, or they've they've bought three or four guns. And I kind of look at them and think, where are you hunting, and where are you shooting? Like you you never kind of talking about actually using these guns. And and I think that we need to kind of educate people more on on the fact that owning a gun and having a gun in in Australia is kind of a privilege not a right and we need to be treating them with respect and and not just having them for the sake of having them Mm, so i differ on that opinion i think you know it's so i know i know in this country i don't i hate saying that it's a a privilege i I know i know it is in this country i just think a lot of people say that publicly um and it really doesn't do a lot for our cause saying that i mean it might be you know the countries i know around the world it's definitely a right and i do agree on saying that i do agree there's a training i think i think should be mandatory um and and learning how to load a firearm because that can only be a good thing obviously when they're around themselves uh, you know, and when they're around other people, because it's not just obviously they might kill themselves, they could potentially, you know, uh, discharge a firearm and shoot someone. So I'm definitely uh, big on the training. But what was the next one I was going to go to? Um, I want to talk about this one. This one's very important to me, and I'm very staunch. I, I like women. Um, and <laughs> my point is, I'm very big on. If you listen to my show, you probably, I'm not sure which parts you've listened to, but I do a show called Straight Shooting, and I'm very, very pro-self-defense, very pro-self-defense. I think it's a, a human right that I'm able to defend my gift of life. Now, um, I think if people have done the correct training um, and there was training involved, I think that's fine. I mean, especially you living in Victoria, I'm sure you're fully aware Jill Ma was raped by uh, Adrian Ernest Bailey, um, raped and killed, murdered. Uh, he was a 22-time rapist. What's your thoughts on self-defense? Oh, don't like don't get me wrong at all. Like just because I think that gun ownership is is a privilege, not a right, um, doesn't in any way, shape, or form kind of mean that I don't think we should we should have firearms. And um, I am all for self defence. Um, there was a meme getting around Facebook a while ago that said, "Oh, well, he's not going to shoot me because I have a gun, and I'm not going to shoot him because he has a gun." Um, and I kind of like that way of looking at it as well, that if we're all kind of on that, that equal playing field, that things might not necessarily kind of end up the way they end up. But um, I am all for, yeah, self-defence and especially being a woman that we, we should be able be able to defend ourselves. But um, whether or not that is done with a firearm, I, I don't know if I, I necessarily agree. Um, there is lots of other ways of, of yeah. defending ourselves. Yeah, even if we don't talk about firearms at the start, people, I'm like, well, what about even, I mean, what about even pepper spray? I mean, obviously at the time she was, obviously had a couple of drinks at a work function. I mean, we're not even talking about uh, pepper spray. We're not even talking about at least tasers because the government just thinks we're going to be running around and, you know, if you had one back, you're going to be running around tasering people. Um, yeah. I mean, it's completely, it's completely outrageous. But someone, it's a, I think it's an American term, but someone said, you know, an armed society is a civilized society. I mean, I, I would say if I knew someone was carrying a firearm, uh, I don't think I'd be tending to want to get in their face, cause them any issues, incite any type of violence. It's like, how are you going? See you and goodbye. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't yeah, be, yeah. I wouldn't want to be getting into their business or in their face or, or causing any any issues. That's for sure. Um, you know, I mean, and even here too, I think some people say, well, you know, what, you know, wh- when do you, when have you ever been uh, attacked? Someone's broken into your home, and I say, well, never. But it's like car insurance; you only really need it when you need it, and it might not happen to you and I hope it never happens to you I never hope it never happens to me or a family member or a friend but you know it's happening every day here in Sydney people are getting shot you know there was a woman 
just walking here recently, you might have heard um, in Westmead, which is just not far from me, uh, an Indian lady talking to her husband, you know, uh, killed, you know. So it kind of makes me feel a bit sad for women, especially in regards to men being, you know, can be more powerful. And women don't really have a chance to even defend themselves. I mean, it's pretty much, please don't kill me, please don't rape me, and please don't kill me. It's like, if they're going to do that, they're pretty much going to do that, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You make some really good points. And and I do really like the whole kind of, if we, we all have that same level playing field. Um, and you kind of say that, yeah, if, if I know he has a gun, then I'm not going to harm him. And people quite often say to me when I'm at the shop, and like, I'm here right now, and I'm by myself, and they say, oh, aren't you scared to uh, be in a gun shop? And what happens if someone robs you? True. And I kind of look at them and I think to myself, who's going to rob a gun shop? Like, <laughs> I have a gun. Like, what are they going to do? Like, hold me up at gunpoint? Like, I, I think I'm kind of a, a little bit kind of better armed than they are. And, and that kind of can then, of course, ring through into society as well, that maybe if we are all armed and again doesn't necessarily have to be a firearm but yeah if i have access to pepper spray or a taser that can be be used in in the correct way and and i think that that's where it might come back to and it's like what we've already discussed that maybe we just we can have these things but we need to be correctly trained in how to use them yeah i know i want to go into the politics a bit further i know uh voting um the shooters and fishers party just got two guys down in the upper house there in Victoria, Daniel Young and Jeff Borman. I'm not sure, obviously, you're a bit older, so you would have had, you would have been voted the last election and the one probably before that as well. So, um, question is, do you vote for a uh, pro-gun political party? If you want to share it with us, you can. And what, and if you, if you do, why do you? And if you don't, why don't you? Yeah, I do vote for a, a pro-gun party. Unlike most kind of uh, avid shooters, I don't vote for Hunters and Shooters Party. But I do, however, vote for Country Alliance. Why um, Country Alliance? Anything in particular that um, sparks your interest with that party? Yeah, I like Country Alliance because they're looking at it as a broader picture. So, yes, making sure that we have rights when it comes to firearms and, and guns and hunting and fishing is great but I think Country Alliance do it really well because they look at those things but they look at it as a bigger picture so Country Alliance look after small business, they look after farming and they also do a lot of work with recreation and if you think about kind of when you go out on a hunt you are four-wheel driving, you're camping, you're on crown land, you're in, in a public kind of space Country Alliance work really hard on, on making sure that those things are accessible to us. Um, and being that I yeah, do have a, a small business owner and, and I come back off a, off a farm, it, it's really important to me that we're, we're looking after the whole, the whole picture, not just necessarily the kind of gun side of it. True. What do you think Country Alliance can do uh, better in the future? I mean, again, I, I run, if you've heard my show, I run a few different ads. I've never actually interviewed anyone from Country Alliance, actually, but I ran some um, uh, advertisements, which people know, for the Liberal Democrats. Uh, I voted, uh, interviewed uh, Peter Whelan from Outdoor Recreation Party. I don't think they ran down there, but they ran as the Liberal Democrats down in Victoria. Um, and I've ran some ads for Shooters and Fishers Party as well. Um, what can, I mean, Country Alliance has been running for quite a significant amount of time, and I don't think, if I'm correct, gained a seat in Parliament. So what, I guess, what do you think they can do better in the future that may be able to secure uh, a seat in Parliament in Victoria to represent your rights? I actually have a really easy answer for that, um, and that is start appealing to the younger generation. So I've kind of what voted three three times now by by this age, and yep. the three times I've voted Country Alliance. And um, this last election, I walked into a local voting centre, and you know when you walk in and you're swamped by everybody, and they're like, oh, vote animal justice, or, or vote this, or vote that, and they're all handing out their kind of pamphlets and flyers and stuff at you. Yep. I kind of had a look around and, and over in kind of the, the far back corner is this gorgeous old man and he's wearing a, a Country Alliance badge and he didn't even make eye contact with me and I, I walked over and I said, oh, excuse me, I, I think you have the, the kind of information I need and he looked up at me and he was almost taken aback and he was like, oh, oh I'm sorry. He goes, I, I saw you coming and he goes, I, I looked at you and I thought, oh, she'll uh, she'll take one of the, the pamphlets from the other guys. She wouldn't vote Country Alliance and... I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a good country girl. I, I do my daddy proud and, and I vote Country Alliance. And he, he shook my hand and he, he gave me the, <laughs> the piece of paper with the voting instructions. And, and I walked away and I voted. And it wasn't until I got back in the car that I actually thought about it. And I thought, 
how many kind of guys and, and girls have walked past him and kind of not even had an idea about what Country Alliance actually stand for and, and these are guys that might own a small business or, or girls that like to get out and go fishing and camping and, and they like trail riding. They do a lot of kind of equine things as well and people in small regional communities like Geelong isn't a, a small community by any means but there's definitely small business owners and people that are kind of have that regional mind kind of mindset that he might not have even kind of attracted the attention of and, and they don't even realise what Country Alliance stands for. Yes, exactly. Um, so what would you, what, anything in particular you'd like to see? You, I only said you were happy with their progress. Anything you'd like to see them push in, you know, in the future um, or you're just generally happy all round um, with their performance currently, you would say? or. I think we, um, it's really important, especially in Victoria, like we're one of the only states that has really good access to being able to hunt on public land. Um, and I think that that's really important that we kind of can continue to be able to, to four-wheel drive and camp and, and hunt and, and also take our pets and, and things like that, like our, our dogs, um, onto public land. And, and I really hope that I'll be able to then take my kids to do the same thing and, and I think in the the trend that's kind of going that we might lose that in in years to come. Um, So I really hope that we have some political parties out there that are going to protect that for us. Exactly. Um, Beck, here on the Australian Hunting Podcast, we normally do a five questions in under a minute segment. Do you think you'd be able to take the challenge? I reckon I can give it a go. All right. Many people have failed, but I think I've just had a few recently. They've done really well, so that's kind of good. But uh, Oh, now you've kind of set me up like with a kind yeah. of challenge. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to just hit – I've got my phone here, so I'm going to hit the stopwatch button in a few seconds once I start the mm-hmm. first question. So in three, two, one, go. All right, in five words or less, describe what hunting means to you. Spending time with my family. All right. Favourite game species to hunt of all time? What is it and why? Sambadier. They're super elusive. I know they're there, but I can't see them. Yep. Best thing you love about hunting in general? What is it and why? Fresh venison um, because it's delicious and I don't have to pay for it. Okay. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Um... Missouri or Wyoming, because they have whitetail and that's my dream hunt. Yeah, and I've already asked you this next question, but favourite piece of hunting equipment you own, what is it and why? My Howard 243 in a Muddy Girl stock. And why? Just because? Just because it's gorgeous. <laughs> All right, um, 46.25. Ah, oh, you passed with flying colours. Woohoo, do I get a prize? Um, yes, you get to be on the Australian Hunting Podcast. <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, tell us um, my listeners always love a good story on this show they I want you to, to sell this story to the listeners so you know time of day time of year what was so good what was the feeling but a bit of a story that stands out in your mind to say is a great day in Beck's life I think um, this one will kind of tie up a little bit of, of everything we've talked about today and, and kind of what hunting means to me I um it was uh, this just gone Australia Day. So uh, was that January 26th is Australia Day? So most people kind of head down to the pub or, or they, they head over to a friend's house. But this year we, um, we packed up the tent and we, we piled the kids into the car and we went up to my dad's and pitched the tent in the back paddock and, and spent the day out there. And we um, had the clay thrower going and we had a group of friends come up. And we, we shot some targets. We um, went for a walk around the paddock and we, we popped a few rabbits. Dad got some pigeons and he, he brought them back and he was showing the boys how to pluck them and I took this gorgeous photo of um, Alex's eldest pulling the clay target thrower for Dad and, and just things like that. We just kind of spent the day hanging out and it was uh, the end of the day. We'd kind of sat around the campfire for a while. We'd had a few drinks and I, I hopped into bed and I was laying there listening to the sheep kind of just walk around kind of behind us and I really thought to myself like, if they ever took away our right to, to shoot and hunt and, and own firearms, it's, it's not necessarily my gun they're taking away from me. It's my lifestyle and it's how I bond with my friends and my family and it's, it's what I do and it's what I love. And I just kind of rolled over and, and thought that, yeah, this is, this is my life and, and this is what I do and, and I couldn't imagine 
not being able to, to hunt and shoot and spend time with my dad and, and my family um, without having our, our guns with us. True. I guess this is your chance. This is the end of the show, so I guess it's your chance to you know, take the floor, so to speak. But if you could say in part one last piece of knowledge or some advice you might say to my listeners that listen to this show, you know, it's been four... Ooh, 2011, I think I started in February or March, so it's over four years now, um, and some 35,000 people will probably download this show over the course of the month, so what would you like to say to finish off? What's one bit of advice you'd like to give listeners or uh, to finish off? Yeah. So I'd like to say thank you to, to everyone that's listening, and that if I can pass on one piece of, of information, especially to kind of our, our newer hunters that are coming through, is always be respectful. So that's respectful of the, the land that you're hunting on, the firearm that you've got in your hand, respectful for the, the animal and, that you're taking, but also be respectful for people that, that might not necessarily know how we do things and, and why we do things. And we always have to make sure that we're painting ourselves in a good light. So every time you, you talk about hunting, you, you post something on your Facebook, you, you put something onto a, a personal kind of social media forum, make sure it's as respectful as possible. Um, we don't want to hide, but we just want to make sure that we're not giving anybody ammunition, pun intended, to, um, to make us out to be anything other than upstanding members of the, the society because that's what we are. So make sure that we're always representing that. No worries, Beck Bremer joins me here on the Australian Hunting Podcast for our Everyday Hunter series. Beck, I really thanks for you for uh, sharing a female perspective with me today. Thank you very much. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been really good. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.